Hey, soccer fans, welcome back to the Feed the Fire podcast, where we talk all things Chicago Fire and Major League Soccer. But tonight, we're going to mix it up a little bit, and we're going to start the night off talking about the United States men's national team's January camp roster. We'll see who's there and what we can kind of expect from this camp and their upcoming friendly against Slovenia. Then in the second half of the show, we are back to the Chicago Fire and Major League Soccer. We're going to look at all their latest signings, the officially announced signings, as well as their training camp roster. And we've even got a brand new segment from our featured guest, John Donovan. So make sure you stay tuned for all of this and more. Hey, soccer fans, Nick here once again on the Feed the Fire podcast, talking USMNT, Chicago Fire, Major League Soccer, transfers, signings, camp, training. We got you covered tonight, and I've been looking forward to this episode for the last week, for sure. Because as I teased it in the last episode, we ran out of time. We're going to talk a little national team, which is always exciting, always brings a new segment of soccer fans to the show, to the podcast, to YouTube, to all the crazy comment sections, you've all seen it. So I'm really excited to be talking USMNT. On top of hearing from our good friend John Donovan again, it's been a few weeks since he sent in a clip and you're really going to enjoy this one. Uh, but first off, real quick, want to give a shout out to the Minnesota Kicks fan. I want to thank you for a five-star review online Thank you. Make sure for all you listeners out there that whatever platform you're listening, viewing, Spotify, Good Pods, and, you know, Google Podcasts is wrapping up. They're not going to be available in the future. I think it's all shifting to YouTube Music. So find another platform, whether it be YouTube, YouTube Music, Good Pods, Spotify, iTunes, wherever it is, make sure you share the link, leave us a review, let us know here that we're doing a good job, that I'm doing a good job, that you like it, that you're engaged, that we're having some fun talking all things American soccer. So with that PSA out of the way, let's get into the USMNT's January camp. Now typically, the January camp, also known as Camp Cupcake, uh, is for young domestic talent. You know, the best USMNT players are mid-season. They're with their clubs over in Europe or South America or wherever else they may be. Um, they're in, in mid-season and can't take the time to come back to the U.S., take a week or two off, train, and, do, and play in these friendly matches. Um, we know what kind of talent that we have with kind of the starting 11, uh, give or take a few injuries, give or take some recent form. So the, the January camp is usually where uh, coaches and U.S. soccer can evaluate the domestic talent that maybe has been overlooked, uh, some up-and-coming players, uh, some depth pieces for the squad, and they're not just evaluating them on talent, but they're really evaluating them on how they train, how they can learn, do they fit within the style of the squad and the coaching staff, do they blend with other players, as well as how do they handle this higher level of competition, because Let's be honest, an international camp leading up to a game against Slovenia is probably a lot more competitive and difficult, more intense and a higher level than training with their club teams here in the U.S. where they've gotten a real good groove. Now you've got to pack it all into a couple-week session. And in fact, most of these players have never made an appearance for the USMNT's senior team. A lot of them have been in the youth system before and in fact only Shaq Moore 
has World Cup experience. Of everyone on this January roster, he's the only one that's played in a World Cup match. So he's going to be kind of looked to for providing a little bit of leadership. And also, that's something that we have seen the coaching staff try to identify are these leaders in the locker room, leaders in the squad. And that's something that we talked about in a prior episode. I attended a webinar where BJ Callahan, one of Greg Berhalter's assistants, uh, talked about management style and leadership style in a corporate setting, but also how he was able to use it in uh, the locker room with the USMNT. And because they have such a young pool of players, you can't have the coaching staff be the leaders. There, there's going to be a communication gap. There's going to be an understanding gap. So they needed young players to step up and be leaders in the locker room, in the meetings, on the pitch, in training, and in games. And so that's what they're trying to foster. And that's why they need guys like Shaq Moore, like Miles Robinson, uh, to step up and be vocal leaders in these camps. So something to look for uh, if you're following the training camp sessions and when you're watching the game this Saturday. Okay, so enough of kind of the backdrop. Let's get into the players here, right? Starting from the back, we have three goalkeepers, Drake Callender of Inter-Miami, Roman Salentano of FC Cincinnati, and Patrick Schulte of the Columbus Crew. So three guys, none of them have any senior team uh, appearances. And really, these guys are, are the hot domestic goalkeepers at the moment. You had uh, Inter-Miami's Drake Callender playing so well during the course of the season. Obviously, that whole squad got a huge boost uh, with Busquets and Messi coming in, into the squad. Uh, where you're even seeing talk... Um, oh my gosh, I'm spacing on the Miami defender, uh, the young American, getting talk about him getting called into. But I don't see him on this roster. Perhaps he's being... Ben Kramashi. That's the name. Uh, maybe they're saving him for the Olympic squad rather than U.S. men's national team. But yeah, so Drake Callender had some really, really good games, probably deserving of a call into the camp with the understanding that, you know, he's probably not one of your top three or top five goalkeepers when it comes to World Cup qualifying or Copa America play, um, but someone that they want to work with, a guy who they can bring in on short notice or someone they can have as a backup for a Gold Cup type of a match, right? Um, so Drake Callender, probably deserving of this call-up. Roman Salentano, of course, had a great season with FC Cincinnati. Uh, playing on the Supporter Shield winning squad uh, and then getting into the uh, conference finals, if I recall, and eventually losing to MLS Cup champion and Patrick Schulte of the Columbus Crew. So you've got kind of the top goalkeepers in MLS. I think Chris Brady should have gotten a nod here, uh, personally, as the Chicago Fire fan, but also knowing how well Brady has played. And even though the Chicago Fire as a squad were subpar and not making the playoffs Chris Brady really held things together for them in this season and a lot of those results could have gone a lot worse had he not stood on his head and made some spectacular saves had some great games himself but the speculation is that they're saving him and Brian Gutierrez for the U.S. Olympic squad which is also coming up now that the U.S. has uh, again qualified for that so that could be why you don't see them in this camp Hopefully they're getting time uh, with the U23s, getting ready for the Olympic camp whenever that starts. So those are your goalkeepers there. Your defenders, they have 10 defenders on the squad. And, and by the way, this training camp is running from January 8th to the 16th 
in Orlando. So just one more day and then they'll have the game in San Antonio against Slovenia on January 20th. That'll be at Toyota Field. And let's see, reading the release here, the game will be at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on TNT, Telemundo, Universo, Max, and Peacock. Live Spanish language audio for the match will also be available on Football de Primera Radio. And you can follow along on Twitter at USMNT. There you go. So, uh, looking at the 10 defenders here, uh, Nathan Harriel of the Union, Dewan Jones, Revolution, Shaq Moore, Nashville, Ian Murphy, Cincinnati, Jackson Reagan, Seattle, Miles Robinson, formerly Atlanta, now FC Cincinnati, big announcement there, James Sands, New York City, Nkosi Tafare, Dallas, and John Tolkien, Red Bulls, and Caleb Wiley, Atlanta United. Now, of that group, Miles Robinson, 27 appearances, three international goals, according to the press release here, and then you have... Um, Dewan Jones with seven international appearances and Shaq Moore with 17 international appearances and a goal. Those are the three most senior players here. John Token also had three call-ups. Caleb Wiley has a call-up to his name. Uh, but those are kind of the five guys that you can say, let's maybe pick one or two of them as possible starters or second string guys when it comes to uh, meaningful games. Right, Miles Robinson uh, definitely is someone who could be starting for the US MNT when it comes time to be playing in meaningful games, Copa America, World Cup qualifying, uh, depending on the development of some of the other international players, depending on the availability of Walker Zimmerman as well. But what's interesting to see here, Nkosi Tafari had a breakout season with Dallas. Dewan Jones, a lot of people are saying that he should have had a lot more call-ups in the past. He's getting a chance to prove himself. So those are a couple of the names that I want to see. And I also want to see if Nathan Harriel and Jackson Reagan can really incorporate themselves and ingratiate themselves in the squad and with the coaching staff. These are two guys who have been doing it at a high level for their clubs in Major League Soccer for a number of years and you know their local fan bases are wondering why they haven't been getting international call-ups so here's now a chance for them to prove it will they be able to establish themselves out of this pool of defenders as top four guys and that's just I say top four instead of top two just because I'm assuming Shaq Moore Miles Robinson are kind of the two guys here uh, who are already in the squad kind of in pencil obviously nothing is set in stone but those are the guys we've seen in the past so those are the guys we've seen that Burhalter and his coaching staff uh, know can work with and can trust which is huge for this coaching staff so keep an eye on Harriel keep an eye on Jones keep an eye on Reagan obviously James Sands is an interesting player you'll hear Matt Doyle on MLSsoccer.com talk about him all the time about how he can uh, you know, float between defensive midfielder, center uh, center back, even though I don't think he would play center back with the current U.S. pool, um, and that his, his covering and his counterattacking is great. So that's another interesting player to watch. He, he, I don't want to call him a tweener kind of a player, uh, but the style of play that Greg Berhalter and the U.S. want to play with this current player pool, he might not have that kind of defined role but he might be that guy that makes the roster because they can put him in at two, three, four positions if the situation calls for it. All right, moving on. That was a lot of talk about defenders. Midfielders here, only six on the roster. 
Joshua Tensio, Seattle, Aziel Jackson, St. Louis City, Jack McGlynn, Philadelphia Union, Aiden Morris of the crew, Timmy Tillman, brother of Malik Tillman, uh, LAFC, and Sean Zawadzki of Columbus Crew. And I think I, I read something before that the crew in Cincinnati have the most of any club with three apiece here. And of this midfielder group, only Aiden Morris has any international appearances. He's appeared four times for the USMNT. Again, look at Josh Atencio of Seattle. Is this kind of the future midfielder that they're looking for who can come in, uh, win the MMA uh, midfield of McKenney, Musa, and Adams has kind of started to progress into quote-unquote old soccer age here. Um, can he be the guy that comes in? Can Aiden Morris find himself back in the mix as kind of not to denigrate anyone, the, the B team playing uh, kind of some of the early Gold Cup games, things of that nature. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how, how they play. And just from a namesake, Timmy Tillman, what can he do? Is he gonna? Is he there because he's got the same last name as someone? Or is he there because LAFC uh, has really shown him to be a solid player or he's shown to be a solid player for LAFC and he's earned that call up, right? We'll see what can happen uh, with these midfielders. And I think though the midfield part is one of the places that the US squad is deepest when you look at the entire player pool when you've got guys already like Pulisic and Wea starting for you on the wings, um, McKenney, Musa, Adams, and a whole host of others who we have seen play in that midfield role. So uh, I wouldn't expect any of these six players to be fighting for starting spots, but again, they could be fighting for starting spots on Gold Cup matches or you know that third string spot in the event uh, a guy goes down with an injury. Now looking at the forwards, a spot of contention for the U.S. over the last several years. The lack of goal production is constantly talked about uh, since Burhalter took over. Uh, here are the six forwards on the squad. Esmir Baraktarovic. Apologies for the pronunciation on that, but for the first time doing that, reading it cold, I don't think that was too bad. He's with the New England Revolution. Cade Cowell, San Jose Earthquakes. Bernard Camungo, FC Dallas. Diego Luna, Real Salt Lake. Duncan McGuire, Orlando City, and Brian White, Vancouver Whitecaps. So again, a lot of MLS well-known names, Brian White, Duncan McGuire, Diego Luna, Cade Cowell, and a couple of newcomers here with Esmir Baratarovic, I'm going to get that down eventually, and Bernard Camungo of FC Dallas. So a good mix of young up-and-coming strikers. I love that Duncan McGuire's here. We saw what he did immediately turned Orlando's offense into who's going to be the goal scorer for them to he's going to be the goal scorer and Facundo Torres can do everything else and pitch in for goals and the rest of the squad kind of fell in line with their roles knowing that they had a solid striker in McGuire. Also, I love the fact that um, anyone who says they want to cancel the Super Draft, uh, Duncan McGuire's proof why we still need it. Um, I want to see what Brian White can do on the international level and on that intensity. He's been a solid goal scorer for Vancouver the last couple of seasons, and I want to see if his game can translate up a level to the international level. Um, good shot for Diego Luna. We've seen some highlight goals from him uh, with Real Salt Lake. And again, I, I don't think these guys are going to supplant the current strikers that we have playing in Europe uh, at this point. But these are the guys, again, who can really make a name for themselves uh, as that second team or 
or they can use these camps to maybe elevate their position in the club world. Like we already saw Cade Cowell uh, potentially, or did that go through yet, get a transfer to get a starting role in Liga MX? Maybe that'll pop up on the transfer tracker a little later. Um, can Brian White use this to elevate himself and perhaps move abroad? Can Duncan McGuire use this to make the next jump forward in his career if he doesn't want to stay at Orlando? We will see. But my expectations for this squad is I want to see a really good competitive game against Slovenia. And I want to see this squad play the style of play that Burhalter has implemented. Now, I'm not saying that I am endorsing that style of play, though I think it can maximize our talent as we continue to implement it through a second World Cup cycle. Um, but I want to see that they're they're, they're soaking up all, all the coaching, that they're improving their game. And again, those intangibles we talked about, that coaches are evaluating for them on how they train, how they work together, how they study, things of that nature. Now, again, I expect a competitive game against Slovenia. I would really like it if they won, but don't the sky's not falling if they don't beat Slovenia, or even if they draw Slovenia. Uh, as we know with Burhalter's USMNT and what US soccer has kind of put their new philosophies in place and what we heard BJ Callahan say and what I relayed on our podcast a couple episodes ago that they are not out to win every game and to be the best team every game. They have a mentality, it's a very corporate managerial, corporate training mentality of plan, perform, reflect, refine. In fact, in my old management training courses, this was a giant chart. It was a big circle with four arrows all flowing into it. Plan, perform, reflect, refine, right? So they are not striving to win every game, to win every tournament. They are striving to improve every training session, every match, and every player, every coach. Improve, 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 evaluate, improve, evaluate, improve, coach it up. Like that's what they want to do. Um, and I don't want to be too general and say they're not out to win every tournament. Obviously, they are out to win <laughs> every tournament they play in. Uh, but again, in these friendlies, in these qualifyings, as long as you qualify, that's all that counts. There's no trophy for winning World Cup qualifying. It's constant improvement, constant improvement. That is what this coaching staff wants to see. So that is what we should be looking for if we think these players are going to be on this roster uh, come or making starts and appearances for the USMNT, regardless of what tournament comes up in the future. Again, not saying I endorse it, but that is the philosophy uh, that is in place. For a little bit of comparison between the United States and Slovenia, and again, I don't know if Slovenia is going to bring their full squad, if, if they, if even if their starters are top level kind of players and can compete with uh, the the kind of players that MLS has to offer. I don't know Slovenian football that well. If anyone does, email me, glasshousesoccer at gmail.com, or let us know in the comments. But just to give a little point of comparison here, looking at the FIFA rankings, currently the United States is ranked 12th in FIFA's rankings, and Slovenia is ranked 54th in the FIFA rankings. Now remember, it's going to take a little more time, probably another World Cup cycle, uh, for these rankings to kind of really let some of those mid-tier countries kind of get to the right position because it was all based, it's a point system, and it's all based on who you play how you and how they're ranked. And if you 
win a home game against a really low-ranked team, you're not going to make up a lot of points. But if you win an away game at a highly ranked team, well, then you're going you're gonna to jump up. So the U.S. is sitting in 12th uh, in the world, and because they have been dominating CONCACAF for the last four years or so and slowly accruing all those points and moving up. Whereas a team like Slovenia, uh, probably not playing the Germanys, Italy's, uh, let me just say it, they're probably not playing Germany, Italy, England, Spain in their UEFA Nations League, and so they don't have the opportunities to really jump up and make a lot of ground. But where Slovenia sits as far as UEFA, they are right between Greece and Finland. And Greece and Finland have very much underwhelmed lately. <laughs> uh, Greece is starting to pick it back up. And, and you know, we've seen Giacomakis and Kutsius here in Major League Soccer. And, and what uh, Kutsius is doing with the U21s and Giacomakis is doing with the senior team back in Greece. So they're slowly picking it up a bit. They picked up some good wins, some good draws against France, of course. Um, but that's where they're at in, UA in the UEFA rankings. It's Greece, Slovenia, and Finland. Now, looking at the world rankings, the two teams that bookend Slovenia, Paraguay and Jamaica. So that gives you a little bit more of a, of a comparison here for the United States. The United States has had trouble with Jamaica in recent history, and we're going to see potentially them uh, match up with Paraguay in Copa America. So this is a really good matchup, if you think of it from a training and development standpoint, for the USMNT to get ready for World Cup qualifying in Copa America, depending on how much credit you give to the FIFA rankings. So I really like this matchup for January camp. I hope they can get a second one in at some point. Um, but next year or or after Copa America, the USMNT really needs to start testing themselves against some of the top teams in the world if they are going to consider themselves um, favorites to make the semifinals of the World Cup. All right, let me just double check my notes to see if I missed anything on that USMNT roster review, and it doesn't look like it. So at this point, I want to remind everyone, let me take a short sponsor break here, that the show is brought to you by Skira Icelandic Spring Water. Icelandic for clear, Skira water comes from a spring in a government-protected nature preserve in Iceland with naturally low mineral content. This isn't your average water, clearly, pun intended, it's one of the best, and I encourage all of you to go out to your local 7-Eleven and pick up a bottle or three of Skira Icelandic Spring Water. Now, along with our sponsor break, I would like to introduce our featured guest, John Donovan, here with his audio clip discussing Major League Soccer. John, take it away. John Donovan here talking about the Chicago Fire in the MLS. Nick? It's a little bit over a month before the season gets started. I think the guys, the players, start reporting this week for physicals. I've looked at their their scheduling. They're going to be down in Florida, then out to California for a couple of tournaments. But, Nick, I, I was putting pencil to paper trying to figure out what their lineup would be. And, you know, they have had some some improvements, I think, made to the team. But it still does not look like a team that has a lot of a lot of danger behind it. Uh, you know, the team they made a a move just recently for a gentleman gentleman by the name of Salquist out of the Danish league. I've watched that league over the years. I've watched players come from that league, and I they're not used to the nastiness of the MLS. They 
they're skilled players, but the the roughness of the MLS really throws off their game. So I'm not sure why that trade was made. I hope I'm wrong. On the other end, they got in Gutman, who I've always liked as a player. Number one, he's a Chicago guy or a Midwest guy. I think he went to the University of Indiana. Um, they had the chance of signing him years ago, and they, they didn't sign him. But he's he's dangerous as a left back. He's uh, He's got a nice shot. He's got a few goals. We didn't get one goal out of Navarro. In fact, trading Navarro probably wins them a game or two more this year. He was always a danger of a red card. I don't know what Colorado was thinking when they traded it up upright move for Navarro. It it really was to the fire's benefit. I think that position is way improved. Um, Heinz did a good move on that, getting a guy from the MLS who's dangerous in the MLS. Uh, I really like that move. And then the other move he made was to bring in Barlow. And, you know, like White, who plays for Vancouver now and is almost an all-star, I think Barlow has that same kind of skill. I, He's a tough guy. He's tall. He's talented. I don't think he ever got a really good chance like White at the New York Red Bulls. I'd watch him, and I'd really come away kind of happy with his play, but they didn't play him in dangerous times. And the, the European coaches out there in New York always seem to want to play those European forwards or South American forwards. They had White sitting there doing nothing, who now is an all-star. And I really believe Barlow has something to offer the fire. Um, but, you know, the way I look at their lineup, it, it, it does have some talent. They can do something in the league, Nick. But the way I look at it, I look at Mueller. I really liked Mueller. Again, number one, he's an American player like that, but I, I always feel that he's a dangerous guy. If he's healed up properly after that big operation he's has, I think he's a plus to the fire. I really do. I mean, they were playing that Torres out there on the left side, and he was just awful. Um, what they're going to do with him, I don't know. But um, I'd like to see Kutsias get another shot at being a forward. I'd like to see Barlow and Kutsias, um trading time. I think they're both talented. I know they're young. Um, they they have something to offer, but we just have to see and give them some time. And then out on the right side, I make it permanent. That's Haile Selassie. Good player, nice moves, got a good attitude about the game. Doesn't pull yellow or red cards, but he is a nasty player. So I, I'd pencil him in right now. Those three are really with Barlow up four or four, I would pencil up for, up top. Now, as center mid, you've got to have, you've got to be strong down the middle in the fire. You know, with Kutsias and Barlow, I hope that they can offer something to the squad, but that, that center midfield spot is really the most important spot on the team. And I know that Shakiri is not that guy. Switzerland knows he is not that guy. Every team he's played for knew he's not that guy. Shakiri should play under Mueller on the left side, period, or under Selassie on the right side as a winger. That is it. Um, Gutierrez should get that spot, and let's see how he does 
I think Gutierrez is a good MLS player. I don't think we've got a lot of danger of of Chelsea or Manchester City coming in to sign him. Um, he didn't score a lot of goals last year, had a lot of opportunities, but didn't plunk it away. I'd like to see this kid, Orgel, get a shot at it this year as as under Gutierrez. I think he needs to, they resign, or he's back on the squad. Um, him and Casas just have to get time on the field. Um, I'd put Casas in front of Herbers out on the right side as a backup to Selassie. But I'd like to see Gutierrez and Ojel get that center midfield job and see how they play out. Now, in the midfield, um, you know, Jimenez, he, I don't know what to say about him. Obviously, he's he, he plays some good games and plays some bad games. Two years ago, he ruined an Argentinian kid's career. I think he's kind of doing all right in Switzerland now, but going out drinking with a 21-year-old player just does not, does not uh, make me feel too good about Jimenez. But they, they've got him for another year. And then on the, the other midfield, this is defensive midfield, I'd start Pineda. Pineda has played really well for this squad, but they've kept putting him in the back. He's a decent center midfielder, but at college he was a great midfielder, and I'd let him go with uh, Jimenez. Uh, Federico Navarro is danger. I mean, he is a little bit crazy on the field. He can He runs all day. But you're going to get some cards out of this guy. I mean, between him and his other, his buddy Navarro, I think they lost probably two to three games every year with their cards. So keeping Federico, if they can get an opportunity to send him back to Argentina with a decent trade, I'll do it tomorrow. Um, the backside with Gutman, great increase uh, over Navarro. I mean, that should, I mean, he can score. He's dangerous out there. Him and Mueller should have a really good good shot at it. Sijos, um, I think, you know, he, he's played relatively well, but at the end, I mean, he's at the end of his career. His his injuries are starting to mount up. If we get 15, 16 games out of him this year, I think it's good. He did starting to get beat pretty bad last year, like that DC game. Holy mackerel. I mean, the um, big center forward took him apart in that game. And we didn't see that the previous year. So hopefully one of the other guys comes up. Now, Tehran, there's all this talk of Tehran wanting to go to Europe. Let him go. Um, we have Olmsberg, who's smart. He, he, he might not have the overall speed that Tehran has, but he's logical. He's a rough guy. He doesn't get beat that often. He's a good thinker. And with Sijos, him, Gutman and maybe Dean out there on the right side. I think they have a decent uh, back line. Um, Suket, gosh, I think he's 31 or 32, and you could see that the those wingers were hanging on him last year. It, he couldn't keep up with the speed. I mean, he was on a flat race. He would just lose it every time. I think it was a couple of times he had to pull the guys down because he knew he was beat. So, and then Brady and goal. Brady is the dude. I really like him. He is the guy that we have to watch about going over to Europe. I see that they drafted the kid from Notre Dame. We'll have to see how he plays. I watched a couple of films. He looks good, but the jump from college to pros is, is really big, really big. Um, 
So did we improve over last year? Yes. Um, probably the on the player side, we improved. Yes. The addition of Barlow and Gutman, good. The coaching, awful. We have hired back a guy that has been fired four times in the MLS, twice by us or three times by us, and we're bringing him back. Why only Joe Mansueto knows I would never buy a season ticket to the Chicago Fire because they're going to be given tickets away at midseason. Hopefully, I'm, I hope I'm wrong, but Klopas has proved time in, time out that he's not meant for this league. We have, you know, you look at some of the other coaches that have been brought in that were available. It's just unreasonable that Joe Mansueto didn't do what New England did or what Orlando did resigning their coach. Um, you know, even Portland. They've all improved their coaching staff, I think, where we are stuck with the same guy that has produced basically 14 years of one playoff shot. So, oh, Lord. And I don't think that Matt Sweto will fire um, Klopas in the middle of the season. Unfortunately, this could be a long time. So I'm glad to be back. We'll just have to see how it goes, Nick. Take care. Thank you, John. We appreciate you always keeping us up to date with your thoughts, your takes on all things Chicago Fire Major League Soccer. And we are looking forward to a lot more of your thoughts as this preseason continues and the season gets underway. Now we're going to shift gears. We're going to get back to the Chicago Fire. We talked about it in the last episode. There were a couple of reported players who were going to be transferred, but nothing official from the club and in, in fact it kind of seems that the club is using uh some of the uh press credentialed people to kind of put out some of the news in the meantime kind of a, a sly or kind of a savvy or kind of a, an amateur move by the club i don't know whatever you want to talk about it um it had been reported they were bringing in two defenders and now the chicago fire have officially announced um Alan Aragoni or Alan Aragoni and Tobias Salquist are part of the club. So let's take a read in on, or let's take a listen in while I read uh, the latest announcements from Chicago Fire Communications. So from this morning, January 15th, Chicago Fire FC today announced that the club has acquired defender Alan Aragoni on loan from FC Lugano for the 2024 season with an option to purchase. So similar to Marin Haile Selassie. Aragoni will occupy an international position on the roster pending receipt of his P1 visa and international transfer certificate per club and MLS policy. Additional terms of the deal were not disclosed. Quote, we have been able to closely evaluate Alan during his time with our partner club FC Lugano, said Chicago Fire FC Sporting Director George Heights. Adding a right back during this window was a priority for us, and we believe that Alan's technical and physical abilities are well suited for the league and our game model. End quote. Okay, his technical and physical abilities are suited for the league and our game. I wish I wish people would just stop with the like corporate speak, coach speak like saying so much or like talking a lot but not saying anything oh his abilities are well suited for the league and our game model okay well what's your game model man you hired your assistant from last year you haven't really changed over any made any big moves on your roster like what's your game model the same crap you did last year oh we think he's going to continue to play in this crappy system that we have like i i don't know man I, i'm just i'm sick of it just tell us like 
he was a good deal. And we're moving some money around between our two sister clubs here. And Joe Mansueto is enjoying a nice write-off as a result of it. I don't know, just, just tell us something, right? All right, the article moves on. Aragoni 25 joined FC Lugano in July 2022, ahead of the team's 22-23 Swiss Super League season. Since joining the Biancaneri, didn't know that was their nickname, uh, Aragoni made 55 appearances, including 47 starts, 10 appearances, 9 starts in the UEFA Europa League, and scored 3 goals as a defender. He also participated in 5 Swiss Cup matches, scoring 2 goals in 22-23 campaign. Okay, so he's got a decent resume coming over from uh, Switzerland. Prior to signing with Lugano, Aragoni played in the Grasshopper Club Zurich Academy since 2016, before his first professional contract with Grasshopper Club Zurich. I don't know much about Grasshopper Club Zurich, but it seems to me like they produce a lot of good Swiss players, or at least good players within the Swiss League. Um, he made his pro debut in a 1-0 Swiss Super League win against Zurich in February 2018, and remained with Grasshopper following the club's relegation in 2019, and was an instrumental part of them promo being promoted back to the Swiss Super League. Okay, so he's actually represented Switzerland at the U18, U19, and U20 international levels. Um, so that's great. He's got a little international experience there. And uh, again, the terms of the deal, he's been acquired on loan through the 2024 season with a club option to purchase. All right, he's a defender. Here are his personal stats. Six feet, 176 pounds, uh, born November 4th, 1998 in Zurich, Switzerland. Oh, man, seeing those 19, late 1990 birthdays just making me feel even older. Uh, but, okay, big defender, uh, listed as a right back from what I remember reading. There's potential that he could go play left back uh, if needed to, but I think this kind of signals Arnosuke is on the way out um, because this was, to me, a good financial move. Um, he should absolutely be able to be a decent player for the Chicago Fire in MLS. Uh, I, I, again, they say he fits the game model. Well, last season under Ezra Hendrickson and somewhat under Frank Klopas, they wanted to send the wing backs forward and get them involved in the attack. We saw that in the beginning with Arnaud Suke having a lot of link-up play with Mar and Haile Selassie, but then when Suke kind of lost a step and then they started using Haile Selassie as like the super sub off the bench, that kind of went away. So tell me, George Heights and Frank Klopas, what are your game models? What are you trying to do with Aragoni? If anyone has scouted him at Lugano and can offer a little bit more insight. But again, he's only scored three goals. Um, I don't know what his assist numbers are. I would assume if they were any good, they would have put it in the article. So it doesn't sound like he's a guy who's going to be getting forward. Anyway, let's move on to the next Chicago Fire signing. Tobias Salquist officially announced the center back from Denmark. Here is the press release on him announced yesterday the 14th. Uh, yesterday afternoon. Chicago Fire today announced that the club has acquired defender Tobias Salquist or to Tobias uh, as the pronunciation guide here listed, Tobias Salquist via transfer from Danish club Silkeborg IF. Salquist is under contract through 2025 with a club option for 2026. All right, two-year deal, option for a third. Salquist walked by an international position on the roster pending receipt of his P1 visa and international trade transfer certificate per club and MLS policy. Additional terms of the deal were not disclosed. Okay, we know that. Also, by the way, everyone, um, with Salquist and Aragonese, uh, visas not being uh, granted yet. They will not be training with the club uh, in their preseason training program. They're training uh, with Lugano for the time being. All right, now we get another 
brilliant quote from sporting director George Heights. We have been monitoring Tobias for almost 18 months and are impressed with many of his qualities. Not only do we feel that his technically that his technically ability yep you're I'm reading that correctly here not only do we feel that his technically ability will translate to play in MLS but he has been a key player for a club that is well organized and fighting for the top spots in a competitive league all right let me read between the lines here it's the the first half of that line uh, we feel his technical ability will translate to play in MLS well that should be the minimum baseline yeah he can hang he can hang in the MLS why would you be signing anyone who can't? Well, I don't know. Maybe Heights and Pelzer would. That's another discussion. Uh, but it, again, it's the same quote as with Aragoni, that his, his skill set will translate over here. Um, he's been a key player for a club, well-organized and fighting for top spots in a competitive league. So he's been playing in Denmark, and in the last episode I said, Silkeborg has been like around 6th or 7th place in the Danish league. So they're saying that a guy on a club fighting and ending up in the sixth spot in the table is something that they like. I'm not sure if that, what that does for me, but it doesn't instill confidence. And I'm trying not to be too negative on the player himself because I'm sure it's not all on him. Um, but if those are the qualities that, that our technical, or I'm sorry, that our sporting director are looking for, he's really fighting for that sixth spot with his club. I think they're setting the bar a little bit low, or like I said in my, our last podcast episode, they're trying to get cute with these signings. All right, let's continue on. Salquist, 28, joins the fire from Denmark Superliga club Silkeborg IF, where he spent the last three seasons. During that time, Salquist was a key part of Silkeborg's side that recently returned to the Superliga after winning the Danish First Division in 2018-2019, and has remained in the Superliga ever since. Um, also, we, we have to note here, uh, that even though his club finished sixth place, uh, the Danish league also has a playoff system. So through the playoffs, they ended up finishing third overall and earned a Europa League spot. So he's got a little continental competition as well. Um, his history, Salquist originally joined Silkeborg from Esli Midland as a U17 player in 2011 before a three-year contract with the club in 2015. Following a loan with Fjolnir 2016-2017 in Iceland and his departure in 2018, Salquist spent time at Wasland Beveren 2018-2019 in Belgium, Lillestrøm SK in Norway, and Hobro IK in Denmark before returning to Silkeborg. Um, so yeah, last episode I thought he spent his whole time uh, in Denmark and that I will chalk up to American ignorance and looking at all those club names and not knowing what country they're from, but he has bounced around uh, to the Scandinavian countries a bit. Um, he again is under contract through 2025 with a club option for 2026. He's a six foot three, 172 pound defender from Ikast, Denmark. And he's gonna fit very well in that center back line either paired up with Rafa Chihos, or some people are speculating that the Fire are going to go to a three-man back line. Uh, I certainly hope they don't. We saw that to disastrous results. People will counterpoint to that saying, well, they didn't have the players to do it last year. They were trying to play a three-man back line with Kendall Burks, and he's just not an MLS center back. I was like, okay, fine. You had Wyatt Olmsberg. They weren't playing him at all. So... That just shows you how, how well our coaching staff rates a guy who used to start for them not even a season ago. So definitely some coaching issues if they want to play a three-man back line. Um, but more than likely, this has given us some depth 
for when she hosts uh, needs some load management games or if Tehran ends up getting transferred out during the season. Now, some other Chicago Fire trans not transfer news, but signing news. They have signed homegrown midfielder Javi Casas Jr. to a new contract. I won't go through the uh, entire press release here since Javi Casas is a bit of a known commodity to Chicago Fire fans. Um, played in 11 matches with CF2 last season uh, and did get some uh, postseason match minutes with Fire 2. Um, he signs through 2024. So he gets a one-year deal with club options for 2025 and 2026. The five foot eight, 145 pound midfielder, uh, born May 14th, 2003. So he is coming up on his 21st birthday. Javi Casas, congratulations on getting a new contract with the Fire. Um, do put some muscle on. And if you can play DMED, let's move on from Gaston Jimenez and Federico Navarro. Would love to see Javi Casas starting alongside um, Mauricio Pineda for a game and just having that homegrown DMED uh, tandem. That would be fantastic. Now, moving into training camp here, we've talked about some of the fire signings. Uh, the newest announced ones, we also saw Tom Barlow, Andrew Goodman be announced um, a few weeks back. The Chicago Fire have started their preseason training camp at the IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. They've got 27 players from the first team, two players from CF2, and three draft selections. And as mentioned before, Aragonia and Salquist are training in Lugano until their visas uh, come through. So here's the roster. Let's see if we can figure anything out from who is on the roster. Four goalkeepers, Chris Brady, Brian Dowd, Jeff Gall, and Spencer Ritchie. Uh, we all know their draft pick, Brian Dowd, who um, also signed. Let me just throw in that information. They have signed Brian Dowd to a first-team contract uh, through 2024 with club options for the next three years after that. So he's got a one-year guaranteed deal through 2024 and then three, uh, three one-year options through 2027. So hopefully he sticks around for a while. Speculation is that eventually Chris Brady is going to be sold or they can move um, Spencer Ritchie uh, if his salary hit is starting to get a little too high for a backup goalie. Uh, but great to see him in training camp. The defenders in the camp, Rafa Chihos, Jonathan Dean, Andrew Goodman, Wyatt Olmsberg, Justin Reynolds, Lamont Rochester, Arno Suke, and Carlos Turan. So the name that jumps out there, Lamont Rochester, he is currently a Chicago Fire FC2 player. So playing with their MLS Next Pro Club uh, and getting a call up to the senior uh, training camp. I don't know much about him. He's a guy that we need to keep our eye on because if, if he can uh, play center back at all, he could possibly supplant Wyatt Olmsberg just because I get the feeling that um, he is, that Wyatt Olmsberg isn't a favored player of um, of Frank Klopas. Now he's listed as a midfielder on the CF2's website, um, but here on the training camp roster, he's listed as a defender, so we'll see. Also listed as both defender and midfielder on the training camp website, Mauricio Pineda, who I can't get enough of. And I put out two videos on YouTube. It's a compilation of all the Chicago Fire goals from 2023, and another one, a compilation of all the Chicago Fire goals for 2022. And Mauricio Pineda scores one goal in each season. He doesn't have like the most 
flashy celebration or like doesn't have a cool pose like Shakiri does or anyone else. But when he scores, he is nothing but pure joy. So I pray we get a couple more Mauricio Pineda goals this season just for the look of sheer joy of him scoring for his hometown team, the club that he grew up with playing for, right? Now moving up the roster here, our midfielders uh, that are coming to training camp, Javi Casas Jr., as we mentioned, uh, Gaston Jimenez, Brian Gutierrez, Fabian Herbers, Federico Navarro, Sergio Orahel Jr., who spent most of his season either with CF2 or kind of at the end of the bench for the senior team, uh, Jordan Shakiri and Lawrence Wooten, who is a 2024 MLS Super Draft selection. So a lot of known commodities um, for your midfielders. Lawrence Wooten comes from Ohio State, uh, midfielder there. So he is uh, definitely someone who's got some quality college experience playing in the Big Ten, playing for Ohio State, and it'll be interesting to see how he can integrate with that group of midfielders there. I, I obviously don't see him supplanting, you know, some of the penciled in starters like Gutierrez, Shakiri, Jimenez, possibly Federico Navarro, but he might push some of those CF2 guys, Casas, Orahel, or if he can become a jack of all trades and, and maybe free up some cap space if they move on from Fabian Herbers. Now the wingers on the roster, <clears throat> the wingers on the roster, Omari Glasgow, Marin Haile Selassie, Chris Mueller, and Jairo Torres. Uh, we know Omari Glasgow had been playing with CF2, but also uh, got a number of call-ups this summer with his national team uh, playing in the Nations League, uh, playing for Guyana, and scoring a handful of goals for Guyana. Uh, recently so it'd be great to see him try to break into the senior squad but when you've got Chris Mueller and Marin Haile Selassie especially when you've got Shakiri and Brian Gutierrez trying to uh, trying to kind of figure out how they're gonna all fit in the midfield those four guys for three spots it's gonna be tough uh, but I expect to see a lot more minutes from Glasgow this season at least I hope so but again that kind of all depends on what kind of formation Frank Lobos wants to play as far as the forwards go, we've got the newly signed Tom Barlow, Victor Bezerra. Hopefully he is 100% fit after his injury last season. I would really like to see him competing with Kutsius for minutes and to see if he can kind of fit in with the senior team in, in some different scenarios. Yorgos Kutsius, uh, as I just mentioned, Casper Shabilko, Misiel Rodriguez, and uh, Jason Shakaluk, who is also a super draft selection. Um, this is an interesting mix because you don't have an impact player. You have a veteran in Casper Shabilko. You have development projects in Kutsius and Bezerra. You've got a veteran in Barlow, but he's never been a week-in, week-out starter. So it'll be interesting to see if they start Shabilko, if they start Barlow, or if they start Kutsius, who ended up having a decent second half of the season, um, and then kind of rely on Bezerra. Uh, Misiel Rodriguez and Shokaluk, who comes in uh, from Akron, uh, again, a, a phenomenal college program, to see if they can't develop them at all and, and maybe put a couple guys on CF2, maybe move a couple guys to some other teams for a handful of GAM and, and some, uh, I don't know, some other some other incentives that are all around these MLS roster rules. So I, I would expect... 
uh, to see Kutsius, Bezerra, and Barlow on the senior squad and whatever DP number nine is rumored to be coming in a couple of weeks. Um, if you have not, go follow Alex Calabrese of Men in Red. Uh, he has put out that the, that the Chicago Fire were closing in on a young Argentine uh, who was last with Tottenham, but those discussions fell, fell apart and they're still looking uh, to sign their second target. Now, on the one hand, if they have these two targets that they really, really like, and they're only going to settle for those two guys, they're not going to make a desperate signing, that's great. If, on the other hand, if they only had those two targets and they can't get either of them, well, I don't see where goals are coming from these one, two, three, four, five, six strikers. You know, a draft pick, a couple of CF2 guys, uh, a, a spot starter, and, and a development project in Kutsius and Casper Shabilko. Do I need to say any more? And Casper Shabilko. So that is the roster there. We'll see what they can bring. Um, let me run down the transfer tracker real quick because this has become a long episode, breaking down some names and giving some criticisms here. Um, first of all, before we get into specific transfers, uh, Laurent Courtois was announced as CF Montreal's next Coach, you may remember him from his days with Chivas USA and the LA Galaxy between 2011 and 2013. He had a pro career that spanned from 1998 to 2014, um, starting off in France with Ahasio and Toulouse, getting a handful of appearances for West Ham before going over to Spain and then MLS. But he's been coaching since 2014 as well. Uh, Galaxy 2, Lyon Academy, but most recently with the Columbus Crews Academy, Columbus Crew 2, and now we'll see if Montreal, and I do believe Columbus Crew 2 won MLS Next Pro's title last season, so did a bang-up job with them, and gets rewarded with the CF Montreal head coaching position. So here are the latest transfers from around the league, according to MLSsoccer.com's transfer tracker. Minnesota United signed defender Derek Dodson. Uh, Dynamo sign homegrown defender Kieran Sargent, and New York City acquire Andres Perea from the Philadelphia Union. So a little interleague move there, and this is this is a no small chunk of change here. New York City gets Andres Perea. Philly are getting up to eight hundred thousand dollars in general allocation money uh, for this midfielder. So you see, New York City saw something. They thought we can work with this guy. We can we can probably make the playoffs next season if everything comes together. And uh, Philly said, yeah, we like that money. We've probably got another two guys in the pipeline who we can bring up and not have a significant drop-off. So good deal on both ends. Speaking of CF Montreal, they have signed Joaquin Sosa on loan from Bologna uh, in Italy, as well as signing goalkeeper Sebastian Bressa from Bologna, and he actually had been with Montreal on loan before returning to Bologna and now makes the transfer back. Real Salt Lake loan Rubio Rubin to Querétaro FC uh, in Liga MX. Red Bulls signed homegrown forward Roald Mitchell. Real Salt Lake transferred Jefferson Savarino to Botafogo. Now that is an interesting move. Jefferson Savarino, kind of an MLS name. Um was a guy who was supposed to really elevate RSL, but yet we always felt RSL was kind of the sum of the whole is greater than the, the individual parts, kind of always overachieving kind of a thing. 
Um, but you know what? Savarino definitely left his mark on RSL. 35 goals, 33 assists, and 125 games for them. Um, and he will have have probably a pretty decent career over in uh, Botafogo with the Brazilian top flight there. All right, looking at a couple other quick transfers. Um, New York City signed homegrown goalkeeper Alex Rondo. Dallas re-signed goalkeeper Jimmy Maurer. Sounders signed defender Jonathan Bell from St. Louis City. Red Bulls bring up center back Noah L. Uh, as well. What club was he with? He is from a logo that I don't recognize. Malmo. Ah, so they are bringing a guy over uh, from Sweden. Um, Malmo, you know, bringing up some good Swedish players. Um, so they are shoring up their defense, continuously making moves there. Let me see if there's any other kind of of note things here. Red Bulls have transferred Lucinius to Fortaleza. Atlanta United signed Derek Williams from DC United. The Sounders signed defender Nathan from uh, San Jose, as well as signed Josh Atencio to a new contract. So a lot of interleague movement going on here, including Cincinnati gets Corey Baird from Houston. And uh, as we mentioned before, Miles Robinson signing with FC Cincinnati. And finally, Vancouver signing Fafa Pico from Nashville. So Nashville moving some pieces around a little bit. Um, so that's kind of a lightning round there. Go to MLSsoccer.com, look for their transfer tracker for all the details on those moves. A lot of interleague moves or a lot of interleague moves that we are seeing here with these clubs really trying to find value uh, within Major League Soccer. Maybe finding a guy uh, who didn't exactly fit, say, a scheme in Vancouver, but then can make a move over to, an, to a Chicago or something like that, right? Just pulling two clubs out of the hat. Um, so that is something to keep an eye on. And with that, fans, listeners, holy cow, I can't believe I talked for this long about uh, things going on in the offseason. But you know what? The Chicago Fire, Major League Soccer, and the USMNT will do that for you. Again, I remind you, if you like the show, share it, rate it, review it, subscribe, like. You know what to do. You know how to give me that virtual currency that doesn't cost you anything but a click. And with that, I want to thank you all for listening once again. And as always, let's go fire.